Hello and good morning. Um, welcome to another edition of the new type vocab. The what I was thinking about and what I have been thinking about um, this week has to do with inertia um, and just energy requirements for different things to happen that we constantly have to keep on surmounting. Just the other day, I believe it was yesterday, um, I was chatting with Papa Omotayo, um, who's also based in Lagos here, is an architect. And um, recently there was a situation in, in, the, in the part of Lagos where some con- a construction company had people chopping down really old trees um, down on the roads and you know, the various workers, you know, there were no permits, there was nothing, and it could, I mean, whether the the reason they were doing so, you know, to sort of expand the road, you know, how necessary that was is something that I haven't looked into personally, but I, I think that's kind of besides the point, because it's really about the fact that these um, beautiful uh, denizens, you know, of the city, these, these trees, these ancient trees, were being chopped down without any real discussion or recourse or conversation between even the the government and the people who live there. Um, the trees definitely have no representation, you know. But um, what was interesting was that, you know, the, the after uh, Papa himself started, you know, um, bringing awareness to the issue, the government actually responded by halting all works. Um, and we're having a conversation about a how surprising that was because Nigerian government and I think most governments are not really known for, you know, responding to these sorts of things. Um, the needs of capital and markets seeming to be the only lever that really moves their swift responses, but. Um, that they they were willing to even have a conversation. So, I mean, we'll see where it goes, obviously, but I'm cautiously optimistic. But what, but what, what you know, in the course of our conversation, um, he, you know, he, he talked about how these, these people just seem stuck. You know, they, you know, whether, whether, whether it was by, because of fear of maybe just sort of looking at the system and understanding that they needed to slow down and even bring on people who actually can contribute properly to what they're doing, you know, and just how, how they're actually running things, the kinds of policies they make, because there are all kinds of funny things happening. And again, I am very sure this is something that happens all over the world, where you see um, government policy giving with one hand and taking with another, um, or just doing things that actively harm the environment, the citizenry, you know, themselves even in the longer term. Um, and this, of course, there's lots of, you know, paperwork and um, words out there about why this situation is the way it is with politicians, you know, to do with like the incentive structures, and no, no skin in the game, you know, allowing us to weed out ineffective politicians, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to talk about inertia and I think that it is a very important thing to look at because of the fact that systems are what, at least in my belief, systems are what essentially define about 90% plus 
of what we do and how we act, whether that's the system of how we're brought up, the systems of how our workplaces function, the systems of how our families operate, the system of society and what is allowed or not allowed, you know. Um, And there's always inertia to sort of changing how a system operates. Um, And, I mean, apart from just the English definition of inertia, you know, in, in physics, inertia is typically looked at as the amount of energy that you're going to need to be able to change the current motion of something. So if something is uh, is static, it's not moving, it's stationary, then you're going to need to put in a lot of energy, more more energy than normal actually, to keep it to keep it to get it moving, and you need less to keep it moving because inertia keeps it moving. Um, and if you wanted to stop something, same thing, you need a lot more energy to stop it from moving. So that's why. You know, starting a car which requires a little bit more of a push and stopping it if once you've gotten rolling also requires a little bit more of a push. Um, and there's a similar concept as well in chemistry to do with um, the activation energy. And I don't want to go too, well, at least I hope it's activation energy. I haven't done this in a long time. Um, but there's usually a barrier <clears throat> in any chemical reaction um, to actually, for that reaction to actually occur. So whether that's like hydrogen molecules and um, rather hydrogen atoms and oxygen atoms joining together to form water, you're going to need to get, um, there has to be some energy input to make that reaction happen, to cross that barrier, that, that, that activation barrier for the reaction to actually happen. And different kinds of reactions require more energy than otherwise. But this is where catalysts come in. Um, and a catalyst is something that you can add into a chemical reaction that doesn't actually participate in the reaction. It doesn't even change, but it makes the reaction require less energy to happen. So this I thought was interesting. Um, I mean, just thinking about it again in the context of these kinds of things of our systems. And um, catalysts, you know, because I, I've also been thinking about how how does one go about shifting, you know, move, you know, um, how does one go about uh, dealing with the inertia? Maybe I should say dealing with the inertia of people, myself, the systems that, that we're part of. And it, it means that we need catalysts, um, intentional ones, because, you know, a lot of the time catalysts kind of happen to just occur in a certain place or time and then facilitate certain changes, you know, whether that is revolutions or protests or George Floyd getting killed, you know, these, these sort of things um, act as catalysts for a lot of other stuff. But then because they happen spontaneously, these catalysts occur spontaneously. They are not intentionally brought into a system with a specific goal of, you know, triggering a particular kind of reaction. Um it, it, it makes me wonder, like, how do we, is there, is there a way, is there a system for determining the qualities of a, of a catalyst? And again, um, I'm, I'm really not just, it's not just about going into something and triggering a reaction. Um, the, the most important thing is that it is not changed at the end of that reaction it has catalyzed. Um, because then it can go on to catalyze another reaction, you see. And, and this is what is really interesting to me because 
there, there should be some way to create something like this. Um, and I'm not talking about on the scale of some massive global social change, but even just small things. Um, right now, this, this month, one of the things I'm focusing on is on, um, the, the experiments that we've been running for a couple of months now on Discord, which is, um, a community with sub communities within it, you know, this mass field village and the one of the key things for me that has been on my mind has been how do we manage this community um one of the values that i'm hoping to explore or paths i'm hoping hoping to explore with this community and it's something that um i, I don't think i did a great job if I, I don't think i did a good job at all of communicating um within the massive village and even in other venues where i've spoken about it is this idea of emergence that is, you know, I'm really interested in seeing whether it's possible to create a group, an organization that has this collective intelligence and self-organizing principles attached to it, you know, with, with, with emergent properties coming out of it, as opposed to something where, you know, we form a community and then there's leadership and the leadership kind of guides everybody else and, structures how things operate and so on um i'm not i'm not that interested in that you know i I feel like there there are a lot of organizations like this there are lots of institutions like this there are lots of movements that have structured themselves in this way and i keep getting worried about how a lot of them end up you know becoming about like you know either cult of personality or once the person who serves as kind of like the engine or organizing principle behind the whole thing either leaves, dies, or has a fight, you know, there are all these schisms and things that happen. Um, I keep wondering, but, you know, but, but to be honest, even, even more than that, even more than all those things that I just mentioned now, I think what I'm just not as interested in is that, that we, we've, we've been doing that. We've been doing that and we're still doing it right now for ages. And, if that's the mainstream, then won't we just come up with mainstream ideas, right? Like um, ideas that people have already come up with, just variations on the theme. And, and I'm really interested in the fringes and the margins. What is at the edge of the boundary, at the threshold? And to get there, I think it'd be really difficult to use a standard model, even if that standard model has, you know, um, customizations on it. Maybe the theme is different or the, the, the drive is different, but I think if it's organized similarly, it's not going to have the capacity to get to that margin. Um, and it's something I, I, I think about a lot because, um, I remember I had a conversation with, um, Alexandra, who's a friend of mine in Germany, and she was talking about how you know, with a lot of these philosophical movements, you know, um, things like, the, you know, not, not, not just philosophical, but also like um, humani- various movements in humanities, whether that's deconstructionism, etc. Um, the part of it was also about being able to think about and organize information and knowledge in a way that matches this new way of thinking. So you can pre- present a text in a, in a deconstructed way, it's, which is different from a standard text. So 
I think about how maybe that gives us a little bit more insight into something. So it should be possible to also do something that is that is more chaotic than, than orderly and seeing what that chaos gives birth to, as scary as it is. But this connects to this thinking I've been having about catalysts and inertia because to build something that is fundamentally chaotic, um, even if that chaos ends up resolving into some kind of order, again, this is the idea of self-organization, right? Um, to build something that has that kind of property, you also need participants that are A, comfortable within chaos and B, not going to fall back on, you know, the traditional frameworks that we're used to. Um, whether that's with like project managers or team leaders or, you know, whatever. Um, and I say this, I mean, I, I can't speak for anybody else really, but I can say this for myself that it's something that I'm definitely struggling with because of course the, the, the tendency and it is what's already, how it already started with the Mountain Village, you know, was to give it a kind of order. And I wanted this other thing, but I couldn't help myself, but create this order and it's to try and unlearn these habits, um, be very intentional about the kind of thing that I end up putting together somehow, presenting to people to be able to interact with and participate with and allowing for something that is outside of me, outside of all of us to emerge out of this, this, um, this organization. It's something that I hope can happen and I'm really trying to explore. Again, I, I mentioned the work of Bonita Roy in this because she's been very inspiring to me um, with regards to thinking about these sorts of organizations and experiments and relationships between people. So I hope that is something that I can explore more. Um, at the moment, the only idea that I have right now is exploring this idea of currencies and um, not just currencies like money, but specifically like current, like the flow of electricity or water and seas, like to see with your eyes, current sea. And this is a term um, that's been pushed forward by the, well, initially it started off with the Metacurrency Foundation, which led to Holochain and a few other things run by Arthur Brock and uh, Eric Braun. And the idea really is that currencies are devices that track flows, flows of value, energy, information, or however you want to term what they track. They allow for the tracking of metrics and everything, but then they are also larger, way larger even than just money, which is how most of us think about currencies. In their framing, a school certificate is a currency because it tells people what university you went to, what your proficiencies are supposed to be, and how good you're supposed to be at them. Um, flyer miles, free, frequent flyer miles are a form of currency. They allow you, you can, and these are tradable currencies, you can exchange them. It's possible to have reputation currencies, for example, and not all currencies are transactional or tradable, fungible. So a reputation currency, for example, like your star rating on Uber, I can't, I can't, if I'm an Uber driver, I can't spend my star rating, but I have it. I can, and it can increase and decrease in value. And it's something that 
I'm really interested in because I think in a situation where you have a chaotic environment, what's super important are the protocols you use for navigating it. Um, and this came to me with something of a shift I had between where I was really interested in maps and mapping things. And somewhere along the line, I became way more interested in navigating as opposed to map making. And even though map making, I think, is still something that I, I'm, I'm interested in, but I, I'm more interested in being able to, you know, what does a compass look like in different kinds of maps, whether that's maps of like geographical maps or like a map of a of an organization, how does one determine their location? Um, so maybe even more so than navigation, actually, it's more about being able to wayfind. I mean, not sorry, not wayfind to, yeah, to locate yourself, to orient yourself in a place. Um, and I think currencies allow for this. They are very low level kinds of structures. So in a way, it's like, let's say proteins or DNA in the human body, where you have things that don't necessarily do anything active on their own. What they do is that they allow for other things to emerge and actually do the higher level functioning. So in this case, having a, a soup or a container filled with different currencies that do different things and interact with each other in different ways can allow for emergence because they determine the protocols by which people can interact, the verbs that people can use to do things within a space. And this feeds back into this idea of play and playgrounds that, 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 that I've been interested in and been exploring and thinking a lot about. And they keep cropping up, you know, these, these things about, um, once you know the rules of a game, then certain things can happen. And then you end up with a really interesting form of organized chaos. You don't necessarily need a top-down hierarchy. The protocols are in place and you follow those protocols and then things emerge out of those protocols. So at the moment, I'm engaged in some currency design, very amateur <laughs> currency design, but using a process that I hope is interesting. Um, yeah, I, I can't really go too deep into that on this particular um, newsletter, but it's something, the process that we've been looking at has is very inspired. It's inspired very heavily by oral traditions to do with oral transmission of knowledge and so on, like I believe I've mentioned already, is something that I've been exploring using art and you know, drawing and physical you know, movements and shaping of them, manipulation of things to be able to ground thoughts and get inspiration from them in a almost like a free association kind of way. It's been really drawing some results and I've been I'm making some progress. I'm looking forward to being able to share the results of this experimental process with you. Um, so, yeah, well, hope you had a great week and wishing you a great week ahead.